Hello and welcome to ALN Academy Talks. My name is Aisha Abdallah. I am head of disputes at ALN Kenya and also I'm a director of the ALN Academy. The ALN Academy is a charity set up to promote the rule of law in Africa by providing quality legal education and capacity building throughout the continent. I'm joined today by my senior partner, Karim Anjarwala of ALN Kenya. Karim is also a director with me at the ALN Academy. We are delighted today to have the honor of interviewing Honorable Martha Kome, Chief Justice and Head of the Supreme Court of Kenya. Honorable Martha Kome has had a very interesting start to her tenure uh, with a unanimous Supreme Court um, decision on a presidential petition towards the end of last year, as well as making some milestones in promoting access to justice and focusing on the use of technology in the courts. We are going to discuss today some of the challenges she has faced and some of the solutions that we should be deploying in Kenya and throughout East Africa. Over to you, Karim. Thank you, Aisha. Madam Chief Justice, let me start by saying how delighted we are to be here today, uh, sitting in the splendid garden in front of this very imposing Supreme Court of Kenya. Um, and I want to start today by asking you about the social transformation through access to justice, which I sort of see as your blueprint, uh, which you launched, I think, about 100 days after you took office in September 2021. In it, you talk about your vision for, for an independent, efficient, an accessible judiciary, responsive to the aspirations of Kenyans, and a guardian of the rule of law. So some two years and four months, two years and five months since you launched this, I guess my question to you is, is twofold. Firstly, your, your personal scorecard on how you think the journey so far has been, and maybe highlight some highs and lows in relation to the um, uh, to your manifesto, if you like. Thank you very much, uh, Karim and Aisha, for visiting the Supreme Court. Allow me also to congratulate you on the finding or founding of the ALN Academy that has the objective of promoting the rule of law. Uh, I am pleased to partner with you on behalf of the judiciary because I think that is also one of our objectives to promote the rule of law. So congratulations and keep it up. Uh, now, um, the social transformation through access to justice is the vision of the judiciary. And it is founded on the foundations of uh, the previous blueprints that were implemented by my predecessors. You recall uh, the 2010 constitution mandates that the judiciary be transformative. Uh, we in the judiciary execute the will of the people to protect and promote the rule of law and the rights of Kenyans. We are, in other words, the servants of the people. The Constitution expects the judiciary to be responsive of the aspirations of the people. For the judiciary to serve the people 
and to ensure there is access to justice. So this journey began with uh, Professor Willy Mutunga, who was the first CJE under the new constitution, 2010. And the journey started with the Judiciary Transformation Framework that identified the five pillars that would enable Kenyans realize their potential and have their rights protected by the judiciary. Uh, this was taken further by uh, Justice David Maraga, Chief Justice Emeritus, who I took over from, who continued with the same transformation, now naming it Sustaining Judiciary Transformation. The only trajectory in this uh, social transformation through access to justice, the current uh, vision, is that now we look outwards. It's about transforming the society because the previous blueprints were inward looking at how we can transform the judiciary. But now we realize we cannot just transform the judiciary unless we transform the entire society so that they can be empowered to understand their rights, to own their rights, to claim their rights, to seek remedies, and in so doing, not just look at the judiciary, but the multi-door approach that is opened up by the Constitution under Article 159 that mandates us to look at alternative justice uh, systems. So this is the difference between this blueprint and the previous blueprints. But the foundations and the pillars are the same. That we need a judiciary that is independent, a judiciary that is accountable, a judiciary that is accessible to people. And in this blueprint, we have identified how people can access justice. First of all, realizing we as the judiciary alone cannot make it. First of all, we have to work together. And that's why we talk about shared leadership in that uh, stance. And therefore we, in we involve everybody, all the judges, all the magistrates, the cadres and judiciary staff, we are in this journey together, sharing this piece of leadership. If you are running a court, a Cadiz court, a magistrate court, a high court, you are exercising the power and authority of the people. You are also representing the chief justice. What the chief justice can do is what you should do, i.e. ensuring people are served expeditiously, that you are cost effective in the way you um, handle your cases. Do not just keep adjourning cases and frustrating people, they keep coming in and out. And this is why we talk of three years within which a case should be in the, in the court system, the trial court, and one year in the appellate court. Thank you. Um, I just want to, to, to press you a little bit. If you were to highlight highs and lows, what would you say were some of the highs of the last two years? Uh, it's been all on the high. Uh, because you cannot allow a low moment. 
uh, when Kenyans have given you a privilege like this to serve them. Uh, all the challenges that we have faced, we have looked for solutions and we have actually turned them into opportunities that enabled us even to galvanize our energies and our resources to overcome the challenges and turn them into opportunities of how best we can serve Kenyans. The challenges we have had are budgetary allocations. Uh, because you realize that Kenya is a country of 50 million people, 13 trillion economy. The commercial justice requires that we have so many judges, so many magistrates serving. Um, the electoral disputes requiring the be dealt with urgently. Uh, family disputes requiring that we have courts, you know, in far-flung areas so that people can come to court and access the courts without having to wait, clearing the backlog of cases. So we have taken it. These are really challenges, but also opportunities for us to show Kenyans how we can serve them uh, better. So that is one resource allocation. We have problems of uh, infrastructure. This building you call imposing was built in 1929. It was built for six judges, male. It did not even have bathrooms for ladies. And you can now see we are 50-50 ladies. So we require a comfortable place where we can work. The Supreme Court was given to Kenyans by the Constitution. So why hasn't the judiciary built a Supreme Court pursuant to the provisions of the Constitution? We were given the Senate, they built. We were given counties, they have built. So judiciary, we are lagging behind, but we are saying it's never too late. Maybe this is the time we come up with a state-of-the-art uh, Supreme Court of Kenya that is imposing. That gives us the identity, the culture of where we have come from. Uh, also, we have embraced technology. Uh, you know you have been practicing in these courts for many years that we were struggling to embrace technology. And even the first framework, uh, Judiciary Transformation Framework, identifying technology as an enabler to justice. But it was not until COVID that we were able uh, to adopt technology. As a, as a friend of mine practicing in your court said, he can be in Malindi, Nakuru, and Nairobi all on the same day now via Zoom. That is the transformation right. we right. are talking about. Right. And those are the challenges we were talking about because uh, for the 20 years I've been a judge, when I joined in uh, 2003 in May, we were talking about the use of technology. And they would come and install some speakers which would not even project voice. You know, because of bad procurement and bad um, technology that uh, was being uh, marketed to us those days. And you know, when the procurement goes wrong with the government, it takes another five years to, 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 to come back. And it never worked until COVID came. So I think after so much agony, crying, 
uh, because of the disaster that COVID was. Uh, there was a silver lining, which was uh, the judiciary embracing technology. And we are not letting go. We are holding it, even if it means holding it with our teeth. We are not letting go. It's here to stay. It Absolutely. is here to stay. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I want to come back to technology, but I want to f first move, uh, Madam Chief Justice, to a, I, I think, to a, a broader issue around the separation of powers. Yes. Now, I, th I think it's fair, at least, uh, not so much necessary for you to comment on it, but for me to characterize the relationship that now persists between the executive and the judiciary as more collaborative, mm -hmm. okay, uh, than say over the last few years, and. Through that, we have seen, for example, the backlog of judges who were not appointed have now been, you know, uh, have been appointed. Um, and we've seen the operationalization, uh, uh, operationalization of the Judiciary Fund. Mm. Um, at the same time, when you look around the world, um, picking some countries, for example, Hungary, Poland, Israel, uh, you, you find there's a kind of a new paradigm beginning to be created around the separation of powers, about the, the right to appoint judges, about, for example, the right of judges to abrogate laws on the basis that they're not constitutional, mm -hmm. right? And so there seems to be this growing tension between the executive and the judiciary. Um, and, and you've obviously just come through the Supreme Court, I mean, being at the at, at the very center of a polarizing election. How, how do you see um, the role of the judiciary in this context in Kenya? How do you see it developing over the next few years? How do we avoid some of the mistakes perhaps that have been made elsewhere? Thank you for that question. I think it's a very important one uh, to always remind ourselves uh, that the three hands of government operate independently and also interdependently because at the end of the day, we are in the business of delivering service to Kenyans. And in Kenya, I think they have identified the common uh, Kenyan, the common Mwanainchi to be Wanjiko. So this Kenyan we serve when we fail, it doesn't matter whether it's the judiciary that failed, whether it's uh, the executive that failed or the registration, it is that they have been failed. Wajiko has been failed. Wajiko has been failed. So this is why the three harms of the government have been reminded by the constitution that you are independent. And no one can tell the judiciary or the judges how to decide a case. That is a no-good zone, independence of our decision-making. But when it comes to collaboration of where we should take justice, the resources required, and the quality of service that we are delivering, surely, I don't mind being told we are delaying cases. Because indeed, that's about service delivery. But we will never tell a judge or a magistrate how to decide a case. That's a no-go zone. And anybody doing that, they will be acting ultra-virus. They will be violating the Constitution.
And I think even His Excellency the President has been heard to say so many times that he will never interfere with the decision making of the judiciary. Uh, so we would hold him to that promise and hold everybody else in the executive to that promise, which is really not even a promise, but a constitutional underpinning. It's an obligation. It's an obligation. And I think every Kenyan should draw that. Uh, even if you see me, like this morning, I had a meeting with uh, a Justice and Legal Affairs Committee of Parliament to discuss the budget of the judiciary to say these are the requirements of the judiciary for us to be able to serve these 50 million people in the far-flung areas of this country and in the cities and everywhere. This is what we require. I need you to understand. This is the infrastructure we require. These are the courts that we require in the constituencies, in the counties. We need small claims courts all over the country. We need to increase the mediation suites because we are encouraging people to discuss their problems and they bring to us their resolutions which we adopt as the order of the court. So collaboration is there, but independence is there. Lines must be drawn, the non-go zone, Sometimes we will make decisions that are not pressing because that's the nature of our work. We will interpret the law, but the system is there. If you are not happy with the decision of a magistrate, you can appeal in the high court. You can appeal from the high court to the court of appeal. And if the matter is allowed to be appealed against in the Supreme Court, you can also appeal in the Supreme Court. So the system is there to check itself to balance itself. It is for us now to do our work and remain within our constitutional reign. Uh, but it's very unfortunate when um, parliament or the executive now enters the business of the judiciary to decide that judges cannot decide this case, can decide this case, or should decide it this way. Uh, I think the judiciary has also been jealously guarding our mandates, yes, and also respecting the other people's mandates. Well, thank you. I know Aisha has some follow-up questions around the rule of law, so yes. Yes. it's a good segue. Um, Madam CJ, you've mentioned the no-go area, yes. which is that judges and magistrates must be free to decide on their decisions soberly, independently of outside influence. I want to talk about another no-go area and the issue is court orders. We have had, unfortunately, in the last few years in Kenya, a number of examples where court has issued orders and they have not been complied with or respected, particularly with the two other arms of government, parliament and the executive. This is a big problem because for the rule of law to work, no one can be above the rule of law. We must all be subject to the rule of law. Do you, are you optimistic that we are, we are moving forward in terms of our respect and compliance for court orders? Or are we still in the dark days? What do you think? I'm always very optimistic. Uh, you have put it very well that this is the country that is governed by the rule of law. And therefore, 
we must always obey court orders. Even if we don't agree with them, we obey. And then you have the opportunity to appeal against that order. And as you know, um, even before you can pursue the substantive appeal, which uh, will determine your rights, you can also apply for stay of execution uh, if it is necessary uh, so that you are not looking like you are disobeying uh, court order. Um, there is no government that should perpetuate disobedience of court orders because then you are undermining the rule of law and you are inviting anarchy. You are, in other words, inviting the rule of the jungle. And if we are talking about democracy, then how else do we promote democracy? It's by respecting the rule of law. It's by respecting court orders with utmost respect. And if we are dissatisfied, follow the channels of appeal. Yes. I think we are all in agreement. It's yes, just, we are. I, we are. I, but, you know, my second question to you really was in terms of our trajectory, are we going in the right direction? Are we more obedient or less obedient? I think we are trying to listen to ourselves as Kenyans, uh, to feel ourselves and to understand ourselves. We are still on that trajectory of um, feeling where we are. But I tend to think that we are on the right trajectory. We all understand that the law is there to be obeyed. And the law is interpreted by the courts. Court orders are part of the law. We are also in the judiciary being very conscious when we are giving court orders to make sure that we give orders that resonate with the law, with the constitution, and with the evidence that is before us. As we are sitting here, magistrates are meeting in Naivasha for a Akorokwa to sharpen our skills, our learning, our interactions, to remind ourselves about the social context within which we operate. That this order you are issuing is going to impact on a person. And I think where we have met the greatest criticism is when we issue ex-party orders. When you have just had one party and you have issued the orders, you haven't had the other party. So obviously the other party will be so aggrieved. But we encourage people when that situation occurs, please learn to court and raise your grievance there uh, in court. But we are also talking to ourselves to remind ourselves that we serve the rule of law. So if you are not hearing the other side, then obviously where are these principles of fairness? Uh, because also the other side needs to mm, be hard. hard yes. Yeah. So we are always cautioning ourselves yeah. uh, so that the orders that we give are orders that you can always be able to defend even if you are called at midnight. <laughs>